What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing. Just the end of the world. Welcome, everybody. I'm Grant Davis, your host. I wanted to check in with you guys and talk about some of the timeline of of events that are going on in this show. And I want to check in once again on PDPedia. Let's jump over to PDPedia right now. Let's go do that. There was some items from last week. We get this evidence report for a Calvin Jelani medical report, and that is Cal Abar, his last name. I guess was previously Jelani before he took on Abar, her last name. And in this medical report, it's talking about how he got in this car accident in the year 2009. So now we have a, a time frame for when this accident occurred, or now that we know he's Dr. Manhattan, when they implanted him with false memories, made it seem like he had a contusion and lost all of his memories. And he became a new person. Some of the interesting details included in this uh, doctor's report, um, he's circumcised. <laughs> it is put in there as uh, he had a tonsillectomy and a circumcision. Those are part of his medical history of known surgeries. Uh, I, I was amused. Okay. I, I've never seen that that would be included, but sure. Um, there is a listed father and mother. The father uh, is... Um, said to have had heart disease and Alzheimer's, which maybe they, maybe Angela and Cal included that sort of detail as a, an explanation for why he might be suffering some memory loss. But says that he was uh, formerly in the occupation of construction. He's from Philadelphia. And when it goes into the medical report itself, it talks about how Angela had found Cal and he had been kind of confused for a few days. And she took a few days being a police officer in Vietnam to kind of check everything out with him before bringing him in and getting, she couldn't get his permission. I guess this is the front the story that they had for why they hadn't brought him in immediately following whatever, um, uh, situation they manufactured to make it seem like he was in a car crash. And they, discuss how he had previous employment in pyramid global construction pyramid sounds anything pyramid related sounds like it's related to adrian veidt and i wonder if there may have been some sort of um, relationship that allowed them to manufacture this false identity or is the idea that he that there was an actual calvin jelani who got in a car accident and died they were close enough to witness this and decided to take on his body, replicate how, what he looks like. Dr. Manhattan assumed that identity and then they hid his body and faked like this was the new him. I mean, how would anyone know? But I guess that's a possibility for what's going on here. Otherwise, uh, I don't know how they would have found the paperwork, known a little bit about next of kin or anything of like what's going on with the father and mother. But it does also kind of offer that that uh, they sought medical treatment for all of this. And the doctor was thinking, well, maybe 
he just needs some counseling or potentially some hypnotherapy. Although I wonder if hypnotherapy would have revealed some kind of funky things about the Dr. Manhattan aspect. There's also a cute little note here that says, um, patient was uncommonly passive and quiet, um, polite and composed, uh, which is odd for a fugue patient, you know, one who's what you would anticipate brain damage. They might be irritable. Um, but took great interest in my Dr. Manhattan bobblehead. And part of this idea that Cal was passive and quiet, uh, it kind of reminded me of the quiet um, clone, Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshanks that Vite is dealing with on Europa. This um, kind of empty shell of a body without the ability to speak or not really communicating very well and having someone kind of operate on their behalf. Not, not sure I should necessarily draw a link between those, but I was just simply reminded by it. So yeah, but I think what most interests me about this is now we have a timeline of, uh, this happened in 2009 for Cal. There's also a memo about uh, the origin of the Sister Night story, which is kind of cool because uh, Agent PD goes into a, a deep dive trying to find this movie. He can't watch the movie itself, but found a, a, an Ebert, Roger D. Ebert review. And essentially, we discover that Sister Night is this 70s era equivalent of like the Daredevil story. And in Daredevil, his mother is a nun. So this is kind of playing off of that idea, but there's this uh, this lady, Sister Knight, who was this nun who had had enough of what's going on in Hell's Kitchen, where she's located, and using the the guise of of the religious costume, kind of like Daredevil, she's Sister Knight. Um, she goes and starts uh, fighting street level crime, and that was the inspiration for for Angela Abar when she assumes the identity of Sister Knight. It's got some fun little details with um, some of the dialogue there. Um, there's this, uh, this they even write out the lyrics for uh, how this goes. It's like, she's got a body like an angel, 3448 brick red. But if you touch her chocolate body, yo, turkey ass gonna end up dead. Anyway, that's kind of the whole lyrics. I'm sorry I butchered that whole thing. But um, you can read the lyrics on here. Uh, it's kind of funny. There's uh, this quote where she goes, you know why Jesus wants you to turn the other cheek? So I can punch that one too. I love the details that are going on in this fictional movie. They also tie this to Will Reeves. Apparently once he figured out, once she assumed the identity and before he had met her, while he was operating a movie theater up in Harlem, he would, once she took on the name of Sister Knight, he has since then aired weekly a free viewing of uh, Sister Night for people to watch at this movie theater. Fun little detail. But like I was saying, I got I got a little bit sidetracked. Now that we know, uh, 2009 is when that occurred. I have a larger theory of what is going on with um, this timeline. And I want to kind of lay that on you guys here. So you guys could maybe give me your thoughts. But my new theory is that I guess maybe around 2009, Adrian Veidt reached out to Dr. Manhattan with an offer. Veidt goes, allow me the opportunity, create me a, a sandbox somewhere where I can 
essentially play God. That sandbox uh, is now on the moon Europa. And by playing God, it means experimenting on an unlimited supply of male and female humanoid specimens where I, I'm not sure exactly what he might be trying to do with them or what he might have initially wanted to do with them. But I, I thought perhaps his idea was to see if he could start from scratch trying to shape their conscience and a sense of self and see if he could, in a way, take these forms and figure out how it works that he could create fully realistic artificial beings. Because we saw when he gets the note from the game warden in episode three, I think, that it's like, hey, when we entered into this contract, it is essentially what that letter was saying. It wasn't saying you're here as a prisoner of ours. It was we agree to certain terms. You are okay with that. So that that implies that he was there of his own volition. He wanted to be there. And what would he want to be there for? Why does he have these clones that he's able to fish out and use for his machinations? And that makes me think he wanted to achieve something with them. And his interactions with both Phillips, where he expresses constant disappointment of, of his idiocy and why can't he be more, as well as Miss Crookshanks, where he's saying... If, if only you could uh, achieve a certain higher level of sentience, you need true purpose. And that's essentially what would make you, you your own sense of purpose would make you he, more human. I think that's kind of implying to me that that was his goal of trying to take them and experiment with them and play God, which would fit totally within what Adrian Veidt is as a person. He's a, he's a narcissist of, who of course wants to play God, right? Anyway, so I go on to uh, say, okay, assume that he brokered some sort of deal with, he was able to contact Dr. Manhattan, who has pieced off to other galaxies for a while. Somehow he figured out a way to like reach out to him and be like, hey, come back here to Earth. I want to make a deal with you. And for whatever reason, Dr. Manhattan's like, sure. Comes back over here. While he's there, he agrees to these terms. He sets things up. And part of the parameters would be, um, limitations on advanced technology to constrain the, the experiment in this Europa, um, Europa bubble <laughs> that he's living on. Um, a bizarrely convoluted but functional system for creating new male and female clones for experimentation, something that is within his, his bounds, within this kind of um, uh, steampunk era 1800s um, construct that he's operating within. But he can fish out babies. He can put them into this centrifuge that cycles them up in age. Sure. I, I guess if he wants to be operating with adults um, that are blank slates to kind of see if he can play around with replicating the human condition within them. It's a silly way to do it. But maybe that was what was set up between him and Dr. Manhattan. And then a game warden who's not there necessarily to keep him in a prison, but to protect the system itself and ensure safety. And by violating the bounds and going outside of that space, Vite essentially broke the, the rule of safety. By, by murdering them, there's now this, this larger condemnation that might imply there's a degree of sentience and, um, and feeling to these clones. But I wonder if that's actually a legitimate breaking of, of the, the contract between him and uh, whoever put him there. I'm supposing it's Dr. Manhattan. Anyway, 
the deal set. Veidt sets about passing off his business and his earthly affairs to Lady Trio, Lady True, who I'm thinking is actually his, secretly his adopted daughter. She says that her father is going to be returning soon. Oh, she'll be, he'll be here soon to witness the uh, Millennium Clock. And I'm thinking that crashed comet that we saw when she bought the land from the Clarks in the farm. That was actually the, um, the rescue mission for Adrian Veidt from Europa. Because all the events we're seeing with him are happening years in the past, right? So she buys this land. She figures out a way to save him, brings him back. And now she's revealing that that's actually her father, the person that she claims is her father. Biological or not, a father's a father. Just how we see sister uh, Angela is um, the mother to those three kids. Doesn't have to be biological to be a parent. And I'm thinking that's who her father is. Uh, just a theory. But let's say that is his daughter that he adopted in some form. And he set up that he would be able to pass off all of his businesses to her. She's brilliant. He, he, he adopts her in a sense and passes off all of his businesses to her. That sets her up immediately. That's why she owns all of Veda Enterprises and taken, has taken it over to be um, True Industries or whatever it's called. Um, with the company in better hands, he sets, uh, he sets off to Europa, confident he would be able to leave this experiment whenever he wanted simply by reaching out to, to Dr. Manhattan. But why is he a prisoner there? Because he can no longer actually contact Dr. Manhattan. The people on there, the clones, talk about their god abandoning them. Uh, Vite agrees with them, talks about this, like your god has abandoned you, that your creator isn't here. And the reason that might have happened is because while Dr. Manhattan was brokering this deal with Vite, he fell in love. He had a sense of this person, Angela Abar, among all of the billions of people on Earth. She's in Vietnam, and there's just something that he was immediately smitten with her and decided upon an agreement with her. He goes, flirts with her. The chemistry's immediate, but who he is as Dr. Manhattan obviously is a huge problem. He can't be this god walking among mortals that relationship is not sustainable between them, right? And one of them posits this idea. What if you forget who you are? We'll implant something in your head that blocks out the part of your memory that remembers who you are and your abilities. You'll assume another identity first. We'll block that out. And then we'll say it was a car crash and we can live our lives together if that's truly what you want. So they set about doing that. Meanwhile, Adrian Veidt is up on Europa. He already committed to this uh, operation, and now he's trapped up there. He has no way of uh, communicating with Dr. Manhattan because right after he made this deal and got put up there, Dr. Manhattan forgot he even made that deal because he's not Dr. Manhattan anymore. He's Cal Abar. So that's my, my theory for why he's up there and got trapped up there. Veidt realizes his deal sucks. He can't get in contact with Dr. Manhattan. He's pissed off. And so he sets out on an escape plan that takes years to figure out. But his only uh, hope of escape is his daughter, True. So he escapes the bounds of the system, Europa, and sends uh, an SOS, save me, D. Whether D 
stands for daughter or stands for something else, perhaps who he was trying to contact was actually true. And then a few years later, she manages to rescue him, deliver him back to Earth. And he's there in time for the activation of the Millennium Clock. That's what we're going to have occur in probably in this next episode. And I'm very excited to see how all of that shapes out. I think it's going to be another bonkers episode. I think Craig Craig Mazin, the Chernobyl guy who's interviewing Lindelof for those podcasts, already said, hey, if you guys were blown away by seven, you have no idea how crazy eight is. So I'm very excited for that. And that's it. That's it for this episode. Thank you again. And we will be back later in the week.